and reading the story from Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then he said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now reading from Hebrews. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Amen. O oh Lord, give us open ears to hear, open hearts to receive what we need to receive. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Fred Craddock used to tell the story of going back to Oak Ridge, Tennessee, to the church that he first served as pastor. He was there when nuclear energy came to Oak Ridge. And guess what? The town exploded overnight. Not literally. You guys are sick out there. I mean, come on, help me. The population grew overnight, okay? The early crowd doesn't do this to me, trust me. RVs, mobile homes, people came from everywhere. Some even lived in tents. They and their children lived in every kind of housing for this temporary work. Fred's church wasn't far from there, a beautiful little white church, white frame church, over 100 years old. Ms. Lois played the organ. No one could play a hymn slower than she could. After church one Sunday, Fred asked the leaders to stay and said to them, you know, we need to reach out to, the, to those in the trailer parks, invite them to church. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't think they'd fit in. They're, they're just here temporary. They're, they're construction people. They'll be leaving soon. They talked and argued till time ran out. They decided to take a vote next Sunday. 
McSunday one stood and said, I move. I move that in order to be a member of this church, you must own property in the county. I seconded, passed. Years later, Fred takes his wife, Nettie, back to see that first church. Between the time he left and the time they go back, the interstates come through, so it's kind of hard to find it, but finally he finds the gravel road. And there it is, shining, bright, white, but there's a difference. There are motorcycles, pickups, cars. The, the, the parking lot is crowded. And there's a huge sign that says, Barbecue, all you can eat. All kinds of people in there eating chicken, pork, ribs. Fred turns to Nettie and says, Good thing it's not still the church, otherwise those people wouldn't be welcome there. Strangers, welcoming strangers, hospitality. It's more than welcoming old friends to our home. Here's what one says about welcoming, about hospitality. Hospitality has become a harmless quality in the order of civility, politeness, and good table manners. If we manage across some period of time not to be rude to our own friends within our own house, then we are deemed hospitable. We forget that properly has, hospitality has to do with unrecognizable strangers. Unrecognizable strangers rather than kith and kin. Ancient hospitality is firstly and primarily a bond between utter strangers. The biblical vision Strangers assures us that as we receive strangers, they will enlarge and bless our lives rather than take from us and diminish our lives. Abraham doesn't see the three strangers coming. Divine events tend to be like that, right? When you've experienced God, a word from God in your life, you never saw it coming, did you? They tend to be surprising. And in receiving them, his life, Sarah's life, and the life of the world were immeasurably enriched. What a surprise, what a surprise. With one foot in the grave, all of a sudden Sarah finds another foot in the maternity ward. What an incredible surprise. You know, it's no accident that the three major Christian holidays all have to do with the advent of divine strangers. First, the child in the manger, that little stranger that came. The traveler on the road to Emmaus on Easter evening, remember? And the mighty wind of the Spirit all meet us as mysterious strangers, and they upset things as they are. Truth is, you and I fear strangers, don't we? We've been taught well. The doorbell rings, it's 10 o'clock at night. Oh, we're not expecting anybody. Who could it be? Pull the drapes back. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't recognize that car. Who could be here at this hour? And our anxiety level rises, doesn't it? Our society has created a lot of strangers because we're so mobile. People move into and out of our neighborhoods, our community every day, right next door to us 
is an executive apartment where people live for a month or two or three at a time. And if I'm lucky, I'll see that person three or four times while they're there and pass the time of day. One of the South's treasures is Arthur Clyde Edgerton. Wrote a wonderful little book several years ago called Walking Across Egypt. The main character is 78-year-old Maddie Rigsby. She's in charge of the WMU and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering down at the church. She's slowing down. She has two children, but they never married. Neither is active in the church. Maddie's lonely, and after all was said and done, of course, she's got Jesus. She always has Jesus, but you know, it wasn't his way to come in and keep you company. You couldn't cook for him, or so Maddie thought. The stranger that entered Maddie Rigsby's life, life was a young man named Wesley Benfield from the Reform Center. Wesley was the nephew of the dog catcher, and the dog catcher had done some favors for Maddie, and so she went to visit Wesley. And like every good Southern woman, she took Wesley some food. This stringy-haired, bad-toothed, foul-mouthed, conniving kid, somehow they cross paths. And she remembers Matthew 25, about visiting in prison, and then when you do that, you do it to me, says Jesus, and she says, he don't look like Jesus. The plot thickens when Wesley escapes, and guess where he goes? He goes to Maddie's house. And in an interesting turn of events, she takes him in and finally decides to sign the papers and become his legal guardian, a stranger, welcome. And yes, the stranger always threatens the status quo just by definition. We may fear the stranger, but the stranger can be a spiritual guide to teach us and to show us because God does want to use the strangers in our lives to speak to us. God wants to use the stranger to shake us up to challenge the conventional wisdom, to remove the scales of worldly assumptions from our eyes so that we can see. And we risk missing God and God's truth when we domesticate God and reduce God to the role of familiar friend. It's no accident this God we worship is so often represented by a stranger. Here in Abraham's experience, once again the road to Emmaus, that first Easter, and in our own experience. You see, Abraham and Sarah, they had become accustomed to barrenness. They were resigned to a closed future. They had accepted their barrenness as normal. And the gospel promise that comes to them, that good news, does not meet them in receptive hopefulness, but in resistant hopelessness but God is faithful anyway. There is life to come. These divine strangers bring incredible news that God is one that keeps God's promises. God's going to keep the promise God made to you, Abraham and Sarah. And you may laugh, but it's going to happen. 
That's not all. Not only does God want to use the strangers who wander into our lives. We all are strangers. All of us. In need of hospitality. Fred. Fred was invited by William Sloan Coffin to preach at the Riverside Church in New York City. If you've ever been there, it's right across the street from Union Theological Seminary and Grant's tomb on the other side of the church. It's a magnificent structure. Harry Emerson Fosdick was the pastor there for many years. He wrote that wonderful hymn, God of Grace and God of Glory on Thy People, Pour Thy Power. Anyway, William Sloan Coffin invited Fred to preach. Uh, Coffin was going to be out of town, and so... He invited Fred to use his apartment since he was going to be gone for the weekend. And when Fred got there, there was a note on the refrigerator that said, if you usually eat breakfast, you can go to the church. We have breakfast there for, for the homeless. So Fred showed up in line with about 200 for, for breakfast that Sunday morning. He sat down and began to talk with those around him. Well, what, what's put you in this situation? Well, it was alcohol. I'm, I'm, I'm dry now. I'm dry. It was a woman. She took everything I had. Everything I had. I got nothing. What put you here? One asked Fred. Well, um, um, I was invited. Worship time came and Fred stood in that massive beautiful pulpit hundreds of people out in front there worshiping huge choir the organ that filled the front of the church Fred reported that he had goosebumps on his goosebumps here he was little boy from Tennessee standing in the pulpit of Riverside Church in New York City and then it, and then it dawned on him who am I I'm a guest of God a guest of Christ. I'm a guest of God, a guest of Christ, a guest of the church, a stranger welcomed. Aren't we all? All of us in need of welcome and hospitality. We all have the opportunity, like Maddie Rigsby, to meet Jesus in the stranger. Where do your eyes need to be opened? Where does your heart need to be softened? Where do your arms need to be opened wide to the stranger? Because in welcoming the stranger, Hebrews reports, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. And receive the promise of God that offers life and a future where there is nothing but death and hopelessness. Yes, we meet Jesus in the stranger. What's keeping you from meeting Jesus? Amen.